excited about the preaching today, Brother Churchill. Come and honor us with the word of the Lord today. Let's give him our undivided attention. And you have you have my permission to kick the ends of the graves out, turn the boxes upside down, preach the word of the Lord to us today. Right? God bless you. Let me add Blessing, you may be seated. Um, I always count it an honor to step into this pulpit, especially, but especially on the first Sunday of a new year. <clears throat> I want you to know, you know, Scripture says without a vision. People perish. And I want it to be known on this first Sunday, 2019, your pastor has a vision. I said your pastor has a vision. And as the year unfolds, he's going to share that vision with you. And in essence, he's saying we're here and we thank God for bringing us here. But we can't stay here. Those three leprous beggars, was it three or four? Four that went out and found the camp of Syria empty and they went into tents and they ate and they feasted and they buried treasure and they just went on for don't know how long till finally someone, one of them said, hey, we do not well. And maybe one of the other ones said, hey, we're doing the best we've ever done. No, 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 no. There is a city that is starving. And if we continue as we are right now, some evil is going to befall us. Amen. And so your pastor has a vision. He has a vision for this church. And I'm telling myself and you, let's get behind him. I want to go where he wants to take this church. So I counted a, a, a very great honor on this first Sunday. Uh, <clears throat> my eldest daughter, Kristen, and her two boys, Stuart and Colby, uh, and myself are going to be leaving for Florida. <laughs> for a while uh, maybe two or three months but when Naaman was healed of his leprosy he told Elisha he said you know when I go back home I'm going to have to go with the king with my master to a pagan temple he'll lean upon me but he said, I want you to know, as I'm going in that pagan temple, in spirit, I'm here with you, right. Elisha. Right. And I won't be going into any pagan temples in Florida. I'll be going into a number of truth-preaching churches. But I assure you, as I go into them, my heart and my spirit will be in Palmer, Alaska. 
We love you folks so very, very much. He was hoping there'd be only a few passengers on the big Greyhound bus bound from New York City to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Those dreams were shattered when at least three dozen college kids boarded the bus in great anticipation of a week of spring break in warm, sunny Florida. Vinny slumped down in his seat, hoping no one would try to strike up a conversation with him. He just wanted to be left alone, alone with the past memories that were so beautiful. The dream girl of his life had appeared 15 years ago. Really a dream come true. Why she would ever love him, he would never, never know, but there she was. It was a simple but yet beautiful ceremony. He would never forget the tears of joy that trickled down her cheeks as they were pronounced husband and wife. The joy that flooded his heart to know that she was his, he was hers. After two years on the job, he was made lead carpenter. Things were looking oh so good. Hi, I'm Kathy, what's your name? Bouncy blonde said as she plopped down into the adjoining seat. He responded and quickly turned his face away to the window discouraging any more conversation. How quickly the warm memories were there and closing him like a warm cocoon. After two years of marriage, he would never forget the most beautiful smile Martha had on her face when she announced to him that they were going to be parents. He had never experienced such overwhelming tenderness and love. Bethany Joy made her appearance into the world on July 18th. And as far as he was concerned, life couldn't be any better. Would you like something to drink? Kathy asked as the bus came to a stop outside of a rest area. He started to respond in a harsh, negative way, but her very sincere smile caused him to have second thoughts. A cup of coffee, just black, would be fine. And as he was reaching for his wallet, she headed down the aisle, saying it was her treat. While he waited for her return, a very forlorn look came across his haggard face. The Friday afternoon, when the job superintendent told him that the land developer of the housing project they were working on had declared bankruptcy, and they were all out of a job. He thought another job would be found quickly, but days turned to weeks, weeks to months. The humility he felt when Martha's parents offered to let them move in with them, and he'd never forget lifting his head proudly and telling anybody and everybody, I'll provide for my family myself. Things went from bad to worse. Until a friend talked him into going up to New York where jobs were better, more opportunities. Martha begged him not to go, but needs overcame trepidation, and off he went. Kathy returned with the coffee, and as much as he didn't want to, he just found himself talking to this 
outgoing, vivacious young lady. He really couldn't believe what he was doing, but the, the whole story just came tumbling out. How after being in New York for two months and still no job, he and his three friends decided to rob a convenience store just to get something to eat. While fleeing the scene, they were apprehended and sentenced to three years in prison. He went on to tell Kathy how he had written Martha, told her to just leave him, forget him, get on with her life, send me the divorce papers, I will not contest it, I'll sign them. But you and Bethany just get on with life without me. He expressed his undying love, but circumstances dictated otherwise. There had never been a response. Time dragged by, oh so slowly, day after day. Two weeks before his release from prison, for whatever reason, he wrote another letter again expressing his love for her and Bethany. And why he did it, he just never knew, but hoping against hope that there was the slightest, slightest chance that she still cared and loved. All right. He asked her to do something. He said, that big old old tree out in the front yard. He said, the bus is going to be traveling by here, by there. And if by any means you do care, would you just take one yellow ribbon and tie it? around that oak tree. If I see it, I'll have the driver, driver stop, I'll get off. If I don't, he said, I'll ride on and I'll ride out of your lives. Right. How far is it to where you used to live, asked Kathy. Hmm, I just checked. We should be in the area late tomorrow afternoon. He yawned, leaned back in his seat and was soon fast asleep. Kathy was so touched by the story, she began to pray for the happy ending to Vinny's terrible story. She shared her concerns with a few of her friends, and that's how things get started. It wasn't long until just about everybody on the bus was aware of Vinny's predicament. When Vinny woke up, he was surprised at the sincere comments of different people that were passing him on the bus. The closer they got to the destination, the faster his heart beat. Glancing out the window, he told Kathy his former home was about a mile down the road now. He said, we'll go into a kind of sharp curve to the left, and in the middle of the curve is where our home is and where the oak tree is. The driver of the bus had been made aware of the situation. He slowed down. So they came into the curve. Many crammed to the right side of the bus. Vinny said, I can't look. You could have heard a pin drop. It was so quiet. Slower the big bus went. Vinny thought, everybody can hear my heart beating. Suddenly, there was a loud shout coming from everybody on the bus. Vinny was grabbed and pulled to a window and to his utter amazement, he saw fastened to the old oak tree, not just a yellow ribbon, but hundreds and hundreds yeah. of yellow ribbons hey, hey, hey. 
proclaiming Martha's love for him. So tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. It's been three long years. We all know the song. The song made the story famous. So I endeavor to speak here today on a subject that fills books in libraries. More songs have been sung about it than all other songs put together. Okay. Professors with their degrees in psychology teach about it. And yet at the end they step back and honestly confess they know so little when it comes to matters dealing with the heart. Why do people fall in love? question is as old as mankind. And as old as mankind is, they have tried to find out a distinct, clear answer. But there is not. How many times have we heard, what does she see in him? Or what does he see in her? Or what about this? <laughs> That'll never work out. That relationship is bound for disaster. And yet, many of those relationships go on until death do them part. Person will go crazy trying to figure it out. I know you know there are relationships for whatever reason that end in disaster. I think of over the 51 year relationship I had with my girlfriend. I went to Bible school with her for two years. And we just knew each other, passing in the hall, saying hi, you know, and school functions, but never, never any kind of a romantic attraction. She graduated from Bible school and enrolled in. <clears throat> at Winona State Teachers College to get her degree in teaching. I finished up my third year of Bible school. Had traveled with the corral and we came back to Minnesota to sing at the Minnesota District Camp Meeting. We were practicing on that Saturday afternoon Suddenly the back left-hand door to the tabernacle opened and Orveda Galleon stepped through the door. And I looked back and saw her and passed her across my heart and hoped to die. I thought, where have you been all my life? for two years. Knew her, but, but I don't know why. And Brother Larry, for me, I don't think it was for her. <laughs> but for me, I mean, we could have started making wedding arrangements right there. That's just how I felt. I didn't need to date her for 
a half a year or a year and announcing a, an engagement for so many months. I, I, I could have done it right then, Brother Richard. I can't explain that. Nobody can. So it only stands to reason if I or the greatest psychologist in the world and people that really study it, really, we don't have the answers when it comes to this thing called earthly love. What makes us think we can figure it out and understand for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. People say, well, I want to sit down. I want to figure it out. I want to study it out. Friend, you'll do that till the day you die and you'll still never understand the love of God. And so on this first Sunday, did you get your little yellow ribbon? Would you do me a favor? How many of you do me a favor? Would you put it in your wallet, your purse? Please, just don't discard it somewhere. It's just, thank you, Sister Jen, for your hard, hard work. I appreciate it so much. But would you put it somewhere? And should God tarry till December 31st, 2019? The last I checked, when you buy pencils, they still have erasers on them. I remember S.G. Norris, <laughs> Brother Bob Sabin was out traveling for ABI. His car came limping home and he was in the backyard trying to fix it himself because he didn't have the money to take it to a shop. And Brother Norris called and they were building their new Bible school there. So Bob, he said, don't you think you should get out here and help Gerald a little bit, you know? Went on and on. Brother Saban said, Brother Norris, I just got in last night. And I've got to leave in two days and I'm having car trouble. And Brother Norris said something hung up. A couple minutes later, he called back. Said, Bob? Brother Norris? Yeah, Brother Norris. He said, Do you have a pencil there? I said, What? He said, Do you have a pencil? I said, Yeah. He said, Well, go get it. So he rounded you. He said, okay, I got it. He said, is there any eraser on it? No. Brother Saban said, yes, Brother Norris, there's an eraser on it. He said, please erase that last call I made. <laughs> I would dare say if we had a year-long pencil by the year, by the date of December 31st, the eraser is going to be pretty much worn down. Oh, we go with so many good intentions into a new year. We got our plans and our hopes and our dreams and our resolutions. And the resolutions by the end of February have gone by the way. And that which we said we weren't going to do, we found 
ourselves doing and we find ourselves back in the same old rut. Oh, would you hear this preacher today? There's a yellow ribbon of God. Hallelujah. I said God has a yellow ribbon. And no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what is coming to your life, amen, there's a yellow ribbon hanging in heaven's glory to remind you, I still love you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you said. I don't care where you've been. I still love you. Commercial break. disobeyed them. And I know how young people can be. I was one one time. So were you. Uh, I don't know where to put this character kind of in between. I remember getting in trouble at school. Kobe and Stewart, please plug your ears for the next couple minutes. I mean, some pretty big trouble. I was called to the principal's office. Three other boys that I had been with on a Saturday evening were sitting there crying. The principal looked at me and said, Stuart, we've called your parents and they've given permission for these two men to talk to you. They were detectives. Yeah. By recess, everybody in the school knew what had happened. And that, boy, that bothered me. But when school was dismissed, I remember walking down to the end of the street and instead of taking a right down Washington Avenue to Pleasant Avenue, I went straight and there was a little, just a little piece of woods property behind our house. It wasn't very big. And I remember walking into those woods and after I got off the street away from people, big old tears started rolling down my cheeks. I, I, I did feel sorrow for, for what I had done. But looming there, I got to go home and open the door and walk in and face my mom and my dad. My dad's apostolic preacher. I remember walking out of those woods through our backyard the back garage, the back wall of the garage, no windows. I 
backed up against it and just fell to a seated position and sat there. Oh. I sat there. And I sat there. And finally, I knew I had to go in the house. I'll never forget walking in the back door. My dad was still at work. Everything was quiet. I walked through the kitchen into the living room and there my mom sat on the sofa. Big water Kleenex in her hand. She looked up and saw me. Her eyes were red with tears, weeping, which caused me to start crying. She got up and walked up to me. And that dark side that tried to tell me, boy, your parents despise you. They're going to kick you out of the house. They're not going to want anything to do with you. On and on. I'll never forget two hands being placed on my shoulders. And looking into the face of not condemnation, judgment. Right. Looking into the face that she really didn't have to say it, but she did say it. She said, son, I love you. And whatever happened after that, <laughs> yeah, you reap what you sow. And I did have to do some reaping, Brother Jim. Amen. But one of the main reasons I was able to make it through it was... I knew I had a mother and a dad that loved me. And friend, when you get in that position this year, and the devil is telling you, how many times have you said you weren't going to do it again, but you did it? And God doesn't love you. Your pastor doesn't love you. The church members don't love you. That's a lie straight from hell. God loves you. Let me see if I can get it. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches into the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win. His every child he reconciled and pardoned them from sin. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though reached from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. 
Oh, can you measure the love of God? Oh, can you kind of try to describe? You can try to, but you never, never, never. 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 But can you imagine how Adam felt, the first man? Committing the first wrong. What were the consequences? Their eyes were open. They saw that they were naked. And then what did they do? What? They hid. <laughs> so see, all the way from Adam and Eve till right now. Our eyes are open to what we've done. We see the wrong, and then we go and we try to hide. Instead of turning and running into the arms of a loving God, He turns and He runs and He tries to hide. It's true. Adam didn't go looking for God that evening, the Bible says, and we don't, we can't, you can read into it, you know. In the cool of the day, the Lord came and walked and communed with them. But Adam didn't go running looking for God. It's God that's saying, Adam, Adam, where art thou? And over the thousands of years to January 6, 2019, it's still God that comes looking for the wayward child, the one that has gone wrong, the one who should have fled to him, but rather hides. But God comes looking, calling your name. Right. Only my name. God could have written Adam off. Could have banished him and started all over again. He's God and can do whatever he, whatever he wants. But why? Why? When he's saying, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I've got a plan for me. Because you see, before he ever said, let there be light, before anything was ever done, God had a plan. Amen. And then the center of the plan was man. Right. I could be here. Pastor said I could take my liberty time. But friend, we could be here all day today. We could stay here till next Sunday talking about the love of God, trying to comprehend it. And we all would have our stories. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. Nahum 3.1. Nahum 3.1. Referring to Nineveh. Woe to the bloody city. It is all full of lies and robbery. The prey departed not. That's in reference to Nineveh. It was a very apt description for archaeologist Archibald Henry Sace 
describes the barbarities that followed the capture of cities and towns. And I quote, Boys and girls were burned alive or reserved for worse fate. Men were impaled, flayed alive, blinded, deprived of hands and feet, ears and nose. One of Israel's greatest enemies And the average Israelite hated the Assyrian, despised Nineveh. And so the word comes to Jonah. It says, go to Nineveh. God, what city did you say to go to? Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. Cry out against the wickedness of that great city. I hate the Assyrians. I hate the Ninevites especially. But God, you said it, so I'll be a good boy and I'll go. No, no. no. Chapter 1, verse 3. And Jonah fled. Get as far away from Nineveh as I possibly can get. We know the story. Please, 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 please. No. That when you flee from God or try to flee from God, as with Jonah, everything went down. Down to Tarshish. Down into the ship. Down into the sides of the ship. Down. Down, down. And I'm sure some of the reason why Jonah fled was simply because of this hatred. But that wasn't the main reason. Jonah was aware of the power of God. Jonah was aware if God told me to go to Nineveh, he's going with me. <laughs> and, you know, whatever they may plan or, you know, come up with, God's with me. No, let me tell you the main reason. Jonah fled from the presence of God. Chapter 4 and verse 2. But Jonah rose up to flee. No, 4-2. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before you, before unto Tarshish. Why? For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest me of the evil. God, I didn't want you to be merciful to Nineveh. I didn't want to see the mercy of God poured out right. as it was when he went and accomplished, uh, amen, his deed. Uh, the city repented in sackcloth and ashes, uh, and God preserved it, uh, though it was one of the most wicked, diabolical cities in the world. Uh, amen. God loved the Ninevites. Yeah. 
So don't sit there and let the enemy try to tell you you're beyond the reach of, a, of, of God. Oh, friend, God's arms are so long. His arms of love are so long. They can reach you wherever you are. Now, I cannot understand it. I can't comprehend it. And so by faith, I received that love. Luke 15, we referred to this a couple weeks ago. We find a parable of the Lord. It concerns a lost coin, lost sheep, and a lost boy. Mm -hmm. The coin was lost. It didn't know it was lost. It was just lost. And it wouldn't have mattered if it had stayed there in the corner or wherever it was, hid under something. It wouldn't have mattered if it stayed there or that the woman swept until she found it. <coughs> didn't matter to the coin. It just didn't realize. Brother Stacy, as you, your cohorts, go out on Saturday, you're going to knock on doors. And you're going to meet people that are totally unaware that they're lost. Well, I'm lost. What do you mean I'm lost? <laughs> I have a good job. I support my family. I give to the Red Cross and blah, blah, blah. What do you mean I'm lost? People you come in contact with every day, they're not aware of their lost condition. Paul said, I didn't know I was doing law wrong until the law came and said, hey, here it is. Right. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Right. Right. And when that came in, oh, the terrible feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, you open not just a physical door into a residence. Amen. God opens a door into a heart and life. And you may just be there for a few seconds or a few minutes, but when you go, suddenly somebody who was lost and was not aware of it, now they're aware of the fact, I'm lost. And God sent somebody. See this beautiful 18-year-old granddaughter of mine. Everybody look right here. This is Ellis. <laughs> and, you know, if you have karaoke or something like that, she's not going to be the one to stand up and say, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll step into, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. It's, it's not Ellis. She tends to be kind of quiet and shy. Now when you get to know her, you find out she's the most beautiful Darling, gorgeous girl in the world. One of three. <laughs> Jay and Jill. But anyway, uh, how many know Sister Kim Miller? Yep. <laughs> you know Sister Kim Miller, Brother Patrick Miller. Yep. Man, they are go getters. 
have done. They'll, if, if they were here in this contest, you'd be paying their electric bill. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Sister Kim Miller loves how to do outreach it. So this kind of quiet, shy young lady goes with her and outreach. <laughs> Knocking on strange doors. I can't figure it out. But she and the miller's oldest son, was it the oldest son? Jared. Jared. Knocked on a door in Kenai. And a woman had just moved from Idaho. She was not of our faith. But she came to church. And when I shook her hand, the story unfolded. I moved up here to be by my son. And she said, I, I had been praying, God, can you show me a church? Can you lead me to a church? And she said, I prayed that Pastor Churchill. And she said, two angels came and knocked on my door. In the form of Ellis, Churchill and Karen Miller. Sister Nancy, we were having a graduation party after school or after church one Sunday and over a graduate. And we had baptized somebody and she said, you know, I, I need to be baptized. We baptized Sister Nancy. She received the Holy Ghost. Now the lost sheep knew it was lost. It knew it was lost. But you know what? Sheep, from what I'm told, sheep have a terrible sense of direction. You never see the shepherd behind the sheep driving the sheep. You do that with cows and horses. But sheep are led by a shepherd out in front. Little black sheep was playing one day in a meadow where wildflowers grow. When the sun went down, twas said he was lost. He didn't know how to get home. He cried and he cried, for he had been bad. He wished he had never done wrong. But I'm just a black sheep. They won't even care that I'm gone. Here sheep, here sheep. Listen, little sheep, poor little black sheep. Someone is searching for you. All right. Listen, little sheep. Poor little black sheep, someone is calling for you. The master's big dog found a little black sheep, and beside it lay down on the ground. And he barked, and he barked, and he barked, and he barked, so glad that the lost had been found. We know we're lost, but I don't know how to get home. 
Jesus said, wherever he had gone, there came a great family. Mark it down, friend. You can have a good time. But I'm telling you, the time's going to come and there's going to be a great family. You reach into your wallet and the last dollar is gone. There's nothing there anymore. And he began to be in want. I think he thought of home a lot of times, Brother Larry. But he thought, nah, that won't work. <laughs> Why? The enemy of the young boy sold his talent. I mean, yeah, your father's turned his back on you. He doesn't care. And I order. He's got your older brother and he's taking care of the baby. Forget it. But then insult of insult, this Jewish boy is said to take care of a herd of swine. And one day as he's feeding them, whatever, slot, whatever, he looked down. The Bible doesn't say he did, but Brother Mike, he was right at that point. He was ready to just jump down in there and eat the slot that the hogs were eating. He was right at that point. Roger. But oh, that verse, he came to himself. If you're here today and you're about to jump into the hog pen and start sloshing around, I'm praying you will come to yourself. I'm praying you will realize wait a minute. I've got a father, a rich father. And he's got servants that are doing better than I am. His servants have clean clothes. They have full stomachs. And the 
this is what I'm going to do. And the devil said, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go home. Hallelujah. Oh, he made the decision. Every step that needs here, needs here. And spiritually, not physically, spiritually, when he reached his driveway, There is a yellow ribbon. Come on, yeah, you're, you're, you're a couple thousand years too late. <laughs> I believe there was a dad, hallelujah. Woo! Amen, that every night he made sure the light up was on for his boy. <laughs> and when he turned into that driveway, a dad who had looked down the road, now again, Dad didn't go looking for him. He had to make the way home, uh -huh. his way home. Uh -huh. But when he got to a certain point, his dad didn't wait till he got up to the doorstep. The Bible said he ran to him. He ran to him. And he was dirty and he was smelly. And he didn't look good. And he grabbed his son and his son said, Oh, Dad, you can't hug me. You can't. No, no, I can't hug you. Bring a clean robe. Get that ring. Put new shoes on his feet. And that cow that we've been saving, that fatted calf that we've been saving, it's time to kill it and let's have a party. My son, which was lost, is not found. You can't explain the love for a father. Love of a mother. I'm telling you, you're not just going to find one of these in the Bible. You're going to find the Bible fastened with thousands and thousands of yellow ribbons. And I close. Jesus is there in Jerusalem teaching. Suddenly there's an uproar. And from the back of the crowd come the Pharisees. And they're dragging a young lady with them. And they throw the young lady at the feet of Jesus. And the story comes out. This woman we didn't hear it by telephone. We didn't hear it by gossip. We didn't hear it. No. This woman was just taken in the act of adultery. Come on. And right there, you know, I kind of, well, if she was taken in the very act, where's the other guy? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Takes two to tango. Amen. But anyway, she was taken in the very act. No doubt, no question. Now, I want says she should be stoned. Right. What are you stopping here for? Why didn't you just take her out and stone her? The worst thing you could have done was bring her to Jesus. But it was the best thing. What do you say? 
there was a hush. Jesus just knocked down. I've heard so many sermons. What did Jesus write? Was he writing some of their mistakes and some of their wrongdoing? I don't know. He got up and said, okay. Yeah, the law says she should be stoned. I mean, it's plain, black and white. Take her out of stone. Oh, but would you do me a favor? Yeah, yeah. Do me a favor. Let the person that is without sin throw the first stone. Yes. That's all he said. And being God manifest in the flesh, he could have looked at each one of them, Brother Jim, and started rattling off. He did. He just said that that one without sin cast the first stone. Bent down and he wrote again. From the youngest to the eldest. Was it from the eldest? Youngest to the eldest? Yeah. They went out. He heard stones falling. And he got real quiet. He got up and looked. He said, Woman, where are now the accusers? Lord, there aren't any. And the one who could have taken off his coat, the one who had every right to pick up stones and stone her, because he was spotless, he was sinless, he had every right to do what the law said. But oh, hear it, hear it. Neither do I condemn thee. My love goes beyond that law. My love transcends everything. Will you just respond to my love? Come on. Is there anybody here that would kind of like to respond on this first Sunday of 29? Would you like to respond to the love of God? Not saying you're a sinner, not saying anything. Would you like to come and just spend some time in the love of God? If there are sins, they can be taken care of. You can repent of them. You can be baptized in His name. You can be filled with His Spirit. Hallelujah. That's your condition. But oh, I just want to, I just want to enjoy the love of God for a few minutes. I just want to enjoy His love. Come on. Hallelujah.